Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Rodana Asban, here with my friend Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Rosh Hashanah, daf Tetzav, page 15. So our daf continues with its discussion about what exactly is the new year for an etrog, for a srogim, and when exactly do we harvest it for Maser? And in some ways, it's like vegetables, even though its new year begins in Shvat. And then the Gemara moves on to an interesting discussion about sixth and seventh year etrogim. I'm a rabbi. So let's say you have an etrog that grew in the sixth year of a Shemitah cycle, picked, um, and then it sort of, it enters year, the actual Shemitah year. Rabbi says, So he says it's exempt from, the, from having to tithe from it. You don't have to take Maser from it, like any produce that's in the Shemitah year. Remember, this was an etrog that already existed in the six years. Also exempt from the mitzvah of beer, of elimination, right? So this is a specific mitzvah of produce in the, in the uh, uh, Shemitah year, that if you have produce from a Shemitah year, you have to remove it um, from one's house as soon as that produce of that species is no longer found in the field. Because essentially during Shemitah, anything that's in the field basically has to be sort of like Hefgar, it's ownerless. Anybody can come to your field and pick it. So if you pick something from your field and then you brought it into your house, because obviously you're not going to eat everything as soon as you pick it, that can be okay as long as it's still, there's what left over to pick. But once that produce is no longer in the field anymore, then there's this mitzvah of, or this commandment of beer, where essentially you have to remove that shvi, that shmita produce uh, from your room. And then let's say you have an etrog that grew in the seventh year and then enters into the eighth year, so again, you're also patur from maser, but you would have to eliminate that, you would be chayab to, to eliminate. So some of what's going on here is, is that we know in a Shemitah year, produce from a Shemitah year does not need a maser taken from it. What's the chiddush here of Rabbas is, is that he's saying a six-year etrog because it was picked in the seventh year, you don't have to do maser from. You don't have to do beer on it because it's still sort of a six-year produce. It's the seventh-year one that goes into the eighth year. You still don't have to do maser for because it is a Shemitah year. It's Shemitah produce. But you do have to do beer to it because it is Shemitah produce. Amr Abai. So Abai basically says to him, Bishlam Sefer Lachumra. So he, so basically, Abai says to him, "What you figured out for the eighth, the seventh, the seventh year etrog that goes into the eighth year, this makes sense because you're basically machmir in both areas. You're not taking maser, right? But you're also obligated to do beer. Ela reisha petura mina beer amai. But he says, but he says for the beginning clause, if you don't have to do maser, even though it's a six year one, but you picked it in the seventh year, why would you be makel on beer? Why wouldn't you have to eliminate it?" Right, you would think you would be consistently machner. Right, so he says, you know, if we say that we're going to follow the time of the formation of the fruit, which is in the sixth year, right, so then it should be chayev with, with maser. So, in other words, either it should be chayev with maser or not chayev to beer, but it shouldn't be not chayev in maser and not chayev in beer. And he's basically saying the first half of what you do with the six year fruit that then you don't pick to the seventh year, it doesn't really make sense to him. Amar Leh, so Rabbah replies, Yadakol, 
mishin ba, ve'at amar techayev v'maser. So Rabbi says to him, everyone's hand is touching it. In other words, everybody can go into the orchard in the seventh year, even though this etrog was formed in the sixth year, but everybody meaning can touch it is that the etrog is basically considered to be ownerless, right? Like there isn't a marker on it that says was formed in the sixth year. It's not going to get picked until the seventh year. So he's saying, so you want to say that you have to, you have to subject it to maser? There's, it should just be exempt like any fruit is on a, on a Shemitah year. And it's exempt from master because it's considered to be ownerless. The Rav Hamnuna Amar, so Rav Hamnuna comes and he's going to argue as well. So again, the same question, an etro from the sixth year that goes into the seventh year and is picked. It's considered to be a six-year fruit. And it's seventh-year one that goes into the eighth year, right? It starts to form in the seventh year, but it's not picked until the eighth year. That's going to be considered a a, a, a shemitah one, um, and then finally we get to an objection, right? A brisa. Meitfei Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda Omer Mishum Rabbi Shimon. Etrog bat shishit nichnasit l'shvid. So again, our same case: a six-year etrog that goes into a seven-year to the shemitah year. Pituramin amaser upituramin habior. So this is basically right. Rabbi's opinion: it's pater from from uh, it's pater from maser. And it's putter from beer. Um, then it goes on. Right. And so here they give an actual reason for this because there's nothing that's subject to Maser unless it grew at the time of the obligation for Maser and was also picked at the time. So the reason why it gets off the hook is yes, it grew in a time where it was obligated for Maser, right? During the sixth year but it's picked at a time when you're not obligated a Maser, which is basically the Shemitah year, which is this year. Right? And then the second part of Rabbi's statement is also addressed here in this price, right? That the uh, seventh, a seven-year etrog that goes into the eighth year, right? So this is different than what... This also is Patzer from Maser and Patzer from Beer. Whereas remember, what did Rabbi say? Rabbi said it was putter from Maser, but it was Chayav in beer. So this is a little bit different. Because he says, why are you putter with beer? Because, so you're putter from Maser because it's a, it's a Shvid fruit. It's a Shemitah fruit. But why should you be putter from beer? Because you basically, you're exempt from the mitzvah of beer as nothing is subject, right? This thing is not going to be subject to the mitzvah of beer unless it both grew in the Shemitah year and it's also picked in the Shemitah year. And since it's picked in the eighth year, it's not subject to uh, to uh, to it. Reisha kasha l'rav hamnuna, sefa kasha ben l'rava ben l'rav hamnuna. So now the Gemara says, okay, with these two statements by these Amorayim, Rabba and Rav hamnuna, and now we have this brisa that the beginning app basically disagrees with Rav hamnuna, and the end disagrees with both Rabba and Rav hamnuna, right? Because for Rav hamnuna, he said the six-year etro uh, that is picked in the Shvi year is subject to Maser, and this Brisa says no. Rabbi agrees with the Brisa on that. And then the Stapa one, which talks about the Shvi uh, etrog that's picked in the eighth year, both Rabbi and Rab say that the, that this Shvi etrog that was picked in the eighth year is subject to beer, and this Brisa says no. So the Gemara basically answers Tanaihi. This is basically Machlokas of the Tanaim. The Tanya, now they're going to quote another Brisa. Amar Rabbi Yossi, 
Abtulmuz Heid Mishum Chamisha Zakena. So Abtulmuz gave this testimony in front of five elders. Etrog Acher Liktato Lamaser, Berabotenu Nimnu Beusha. So the etrog files the time of its picking. So whenever it's picked, if it's picked in a sixth year, it's subject to master because you have to give master in the sixth year. If it's picked in the seventh year, even if it was formed in the sixth year, it's not subject to master because it's picked at a time where there's no master, right? But then what happens? The sages voted in Usha. So Usha was one of the major Tanaitic cities, but Amru, and they said, Acher lik tato, bain lamaser, bain and they say an etrog files the time of its picking, both when it comes to tides and both when it comes to shvid. So then it says, shvid man So it basically questions this price and says, who mentions anything about shvid, right? The question about this is really an issue about maser. So chasuri mixrav hachikatani. So it's one of these things where it says the price is not complete. And this is how you actually have to read it. Etrog achar achar so an etrog files its time of picking for master, and it files the time of its formation of the fruit itself for shvi. So in other words, if it's formed in the sixth year, it's not going to be subject to the rules of shvi because it was formed in the sixth year. If it's formed in the seventh year, then it will be subject to the laws of shvi, right? And therefore, what would uh, what would uh, you know what would happen? You would have to do. You basically would have to do biyurah. Right. And so then finally it says, And but the, the sages and Usha say no, it only follows uh it follows both tights and and mas and and shvid based on when it's actually picked. It doesn't have to do with when it's actually uh it doesn't have to do when it's actually formed. Sorry, I said that wrong last time. Because it's formed in the sixth year, right? If it's in the seventh year. That's why it's not subject to beer, right? I, I said it was subject to beer. Sorry about that. So, but the rabbis are going to come and they're going to say, no, it has to do with its time of its picking. So it, you know, so it wouldn't be subject to, uh, it wouldn't be subject to Maser because it was picked in the seventh year. It also wouldn't be, but it would still be subject to beer because it was picked in the seventh year. And then finally, we conclude with Itmar Rabbi Yochanan Barish Lakish Amru Chavaihu. Right, so we see the same discussion with Amuraim of Eretz Yisrael, which is significant because they were living in Israel. These laws were still being, you know, were sort of really being studied and, and implemented. Of Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish, and what did they say? Etrog So again, the six-year etrog that goes into the seventh year, Leolam Shishit. It's just considered always like six-year produce. So in other words, you would have to give maser, and it wouldn't be subject to beer. Ki ata ravin amar Rabbi Yochanan. So when Rabin came from Eretz Yisrael to Babel, he basically reports back to everybody, this is what Rabbi Yochanan said. So a six-year etrog that gets, you know, that goes into the seventh year and then gets picked in the, the seventh year, even though, right, the beginning of this, let's say the beginning of the seventh year it was only a kazite. It was a tiny, tiny etrog. Most of its growth is going to happen during the Shvi year. And then it grows to Nasi Kikikar, goes to the size of a loaf, right? So even though most of the growth is going to happen during the Shemitah year, it's still considered to be six year produce. And therefore, it you would have to do Maser on it. And if you ate it without doing Maser, 
you're basically chayev for eating tevel. You're chayev for eating uh, non-mastered fruit. Now, it's interesting. They don't go into, get into the discussion about beer, but it seems that it would not be subject to beer also. But the discussion sort of ends here. So, you know, very interesting discussion specific to etrog. I think some of this has to do with the etrog cycle, that it sort of starts to grow, but takes a very long time to grow until it's <clears> fully <throat> formed. And so its growth really ends up taking place over, you know, a period of, you know, uh, of different years within the Shemitah cycle itself. So when it comes to year six and seven, it actually does become a discussion, you know, is it considered to be a six-year etrog or is it considered to be a seventh-year etrog? And we see it's not so clear-cut. We sort of end with Rabbi Yochanan, and I think there's some authority here that the Talmud Bavli is giving to Rabbi Yochanan because he's an Amor of Eretz Yisrael. So I think that's why it ends with Rabbi Yochanan. Um, but it's, you know, interesting to see that there seems to be amongst the Amorayim and Bavel, uh, I don't want to use the word a lot of confusion, but it may be that this was not really practical for them. And therefore, there was some uncertainty about what the halacha actually was. But I love that this is what they're paying attention to, right? Meaning it's not practical to them, at the, you know, unless they go traveling there to Israel. And yet they are having this discussion to try to figure it out, um, which makes sense i guess all of the gemara is trying to figure out what happens in all of the halacha but it, like i don't know i was just very appreciative of the fact that yes they're going to look to rabbi yochanan as an authority and yes they're puzzling it out and yes it's not so simple for them but on the other hand they're having this conversation to begin with which i don't know i feel like so much of our encounter with halacha like if you look at a shulchan Aruch, for example mishnah brew or whatever these books that are compendiums of Jewish law do not address these mitzvot at all. And yet the Amoraim, Amora, I mean, it's obviously previous, you know, earlier generations, the Amoraim in, in Bavel were still very much paying attention to the halachot pertaining to Eretz Yisrael, even if it didn't quite become, as we've said many times now, a Talmud Masachet, you know, on, on that from Bavel. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, you know, that is, sort of different with how halacha develops with the Rishonim. The Rishonim don't spend as much time on that many of these halachot as the Amorayim do. Right, right. Okay, so I'm going to move to the end. And Rabbi Yochanan plays a prominent role here as well. This is uh, from the beginning of Amud Bet, but Amud Bet is not that long. Tanu Rabbanan, Ilan Kodem So what happens when you've got a tree where the fruits are formed on that tree before the 15th of Shvat? So then the fruit is there. It's going to be counted for the dream of the of the previous year, if the 15th is considered the new year of the trees. And after the 15th, fine, it's going to have the dream of the according to the coming year. So this particular breita, according to Rabbi Nehemiah, is specifically about the kind of tree that will have two, here it's called brechot, um, which I've seen translated to be broods. Now, I don't know enough about crops to know if that's truly a technical term, but, um, and, and I also I know that the term is applied to, in the Hebrew, also the brechot is applied to animals. But the idea is that you end up with two crops, two, two um, periods of ripening of the fruit on the same tree in the one given calendar year. So the Gemara says, really? Are you really going to have two in one year? So rather, say, it's like you've got two seasons worth of crops from the one from the one um, time of ripening. But in the case of a tree that produces just one you know, bumper crop, let's say, 
כגון דקלים וזיתים וחרובים. So we're talking about palm trees and olive trees and carob trees. אף על פי שחנתו פירוטיין קודם חמישה עשר בשבט, even though the time that the fruit um, is taking form takes place before the 15th of the month of שבט, מתאספין לשנה הבאה. This particular Brita says, no, you take, you take the tithings according to the coming year, because we're going to follow these particular fruits, follow the time of picking, as opposed to the time of, um, as opposed to this, um, the time of the season of when they become ripe, right? So according to Rabbi Nehemia, right, of course, most of the time things are tithed according to when it's picked, because this is Rabbi Nehemia's opinion, where he says it's two broods. Because he says only a minority of fruit trees are ever going to have two crops in one year. So Rabbi Yochanan says, yes, people were accustomed to treat carob in the way of Rabbi Nechemia, namely that you follow, you choose the master following the time of the picking, as opposed to the ripening. Eight very Reish Lakish, Rabbi Yochanan, but Reish Lakish raises an objection. He says, Benot Shuach. Now this is going to be its own conversation in a moment. Since we're talking about, and it's a little tricky what this benot shuach is, perhaps it means white fig trees, perhaps it means um, a term, well, I think everybody thinks it means white fig trees, but it's, but um, the question is, how how often were they really picked? We'll come back to this, I guess. I've got a beautiful picture, as I like to say. Benot shuach, Um, either they were, here we go, they might have been called Benot Sheva, um, which would be a synonym, and it would be, either it's a cinnamon, synonym, rather, for these same white figs, or it's a completely different species. Some say perhaps it's um, referring to a kind of pine tree, and then the fruit of that is called pine nuts, right, which we know about, and then those, of course, are eaten. But the point here, really, is that this is a tree that the fruit of it, whatever it is that the fruit of it is, only comes to to be fruit every three years it has a three-year cycle of ripening which sounds crazy to me but okay meaning it's clearly not the common thing of fruit trees so what does so the very phenomenon of these trees the second year of like when they come to ripen it's going to end up being um coming into the shmita year right because They've, because that's how infrequently they, they what's the right word here? That the, they become ripe. I guess ripen is the right word. Ishtik, Rabbi Yochanan was silent. He does not respond. And of course, this is a concern. Like, why would Rabbi Yochanan, who we've already established on this same daf as an authority here, why is he not responding? Amrli Rabbi Abba HaKohen, Rabbi Yossi HaKohen, Amai Ishtik. So the next generation wants to understand why was he quiet? He should have said to Reish Lakish, he should have said, I'm talking to you about Rabbi Nechemia, so why are you talking to me about Rabbanan? To begin with, meaning this whole position of Reish Lakish about the white fig trees is about the time of their ripening. It's not about the time of their picking to begin with. So it's mixing apple, pardon me, apples and oranges, meaning it's mixing white figs and the olives, carob and Um, what was the other one? Uh, olives, carob, and palm trees, the, the dates, um, because one is the whole discussion at the beginning of the Brita is talking about the time of the picking, and this is talking about the time of the ripening. So Rabbi Yossi answers, 
You know, he couldn't have said that because then Rav Shlikish would simply say to him, are you leaving aside Rabbanan in favor of Rav Nechemiah, who Rav Nechemiah is a, a dat yachid, he's, a, he's a, a, the opinion of one in contrast to all of Rabbanan. So Rav Shlikish's response or retort to Rabbi Yochanan would have been very immediate and very easy. So it can't be that that's what Rabbi Yochanan would have said to begin with. So then Rabbi Abba wants to know, So perhaps Rabbi Yochanan should have said to him instead, I'm talking about what people do, you know, how what their practice is. And you're talking about, you're telling me it's a prohibition? Because, he, and then Rabbi Yossi says back again, no, Rabbi Yochanan would never have said that because Rabbi Lakish would then answer him, once you've got an isr, once you've got a prohibition, then you can't continue, you can't complain or you can't claim that people are acting in a particular manner that would be uh, that it would be tolerated, right? He would say, if it's you're talking about a prohibition, then um, then you're not going to be able to say that people did this, meaning that they did this with the olive trees and the date trees and the and the carob, because because it's a sur, it's prohibited. So Rabbi Abba again says, So then let him, he should have said to Rishaki as follows, I'm talking about Trumana Maestro, which are rabbinic, um, as opposed to the Torah law pertaining to grapes. Oh, sorry. But the Doraita is that all fruits are exempt from Trumana Maestro except for grapes and olives. So then why are you talking to me about Shemitah, which is a Doraita law? Meaning if the master of the Charuv, of the Carib, is Drabanan to begin with, and you're talking about Shemitah, Doraita, then that's a different level of obligation to begin with. And again, we're mixing the proverbial apples and oranges. And then Rabbi Abba says, Ela Amar, Rabbi Abba HaKoyin, Tmehani im heshiva rishlakish l'tshuvazo. So he says, I wonder if rishlakish would have actually raise this as an original objection to begin with against Rabbi Yochanan because also this has a clear refutation. What the Gemara says, Im heshiva, right? whether he asked it, ha otva, ha otva. he did ask it. Right? We have this in the story. So the, rather, he said, the Gemara says, rather he should say, I wonder if Rabbi Yochanan accepted this question, not if whether Rish Lakish raised the original objection, but say that Rabbi Yochanan accepted this question, and then he was it that he was silent because he had nothing to say, or did he was he silent because he didn't accept it to begin with? And like as a, I'm not, he wasn't even deigning to provide an answer. So of course, I find this to be particularly fascinating in the in the doings, right? The the debate here between Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan to begin with is interesting enough, but the fact that Rabbi Abba Cohen and Rabbi Yosef Cohen are then debating over why Rabbi Yochanan. What Rabbi Yochanan would have said, should have said, did he not say it because Rish Lakish would have raised the other objection? This is, I think, you know, the quintessential thumbs of the Gemara, where everybody's trying to infer what might have been said when it wasn't actually said. And the re- rationale for not saying something to begin with is itself pretty rich. And that's the end of this particular section on the Mishnah. We have a new Mishnah on the new Daf. Yeah, so I, it's just interesting how we sort of get from you know, the Rosh Hashanah of the years, right? <laughs> to like where we sort of end up here, um, you know, finally. Like I, I just the, the whole train that we sort of get to a pretty in-depth discussion about Maser and, you know, Shvit and then 
you know, finally sort of figuring out what your trees belong to and how that impacts Maser. I don't know. I just, it, it's And what's Dorita and what's Rabana? Over 16, over 15 Dapim. <laughs> right, it is true. So I agree with you. Right. And then, and then this kind of, this discussion at the end, which I suppose we all know if we think about it, but the fact that we've got this statement of Dorita and Dorabanan, and I feel like, wait, it, well, shouldn't this have been a bigger discussion along the way? Which maybe isn't fair of me, but I feel like it's tacked on as a as an obvious discussion. It surprised me a little bit. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reveni Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.